Hello, and welcome to another episode of Nostalgic Mystery Radio. I'm your host, Stevie Kay, and it's my honor to bring you the radio shows of yesteryear. For this episode, I bring you BBC's dramatization of Agatha Christie's Sparkling Cyanide, where six people sit down to a sumptuous meal at a table laid for seven. In front of the empty place is a sprig of rosemary, rosemary for remembrance. A strange sentiment considering no one is likely to forget the night, exactly a year ago, that Rosemary Barton died at exactly the same table, her beautiful face unrecognizable, convulsed with pain and horror. But then Rosemary had always been memorable. She had the ability to arouse strong passions in most people she met, in one case, strong enough to kill. So sit back and relax, and I hope you enjoy this Nostalgic Mystery Radio. Thank you for listening. I'd always been crazy about Rosemary. I knew that she would never be in love with me. Rosemary was stupid and silly, and not even particularly amusing. It's like my life was divided into two parts. For the main part, a nice, sane, orderly progression before I met Rosemary. And then, the madness. Rich and beautiful and careless and brainless. She'd had everything handed to her on a golden platter. I disliked Rosemary Barton a good deal. I felt for her rather badly. A damn fool I was, ever to get mixed up with her. What did I really know about my sister Rosemary? How could she have been a part of my life for so long, and yet I didn't really know her at all? Didn't have any idea why she might want to kill herself. (laughs) Rosemary? Sparkling Cyanide, Part One, Rosemary. I wish I could forget, but that's impossible now. Now I have to try to remember. What was she like that morning before the party? Here she is, at last. Happy birthday, Rosemary. George, I thought you'd have left for work by now. Happy birthday, Rosemary. Pour me a coffee, Iris. Iris, do you think she looks well? You better watch what you say, Iris, dear. You look lovely, Rosemary. A little tired, though. Do stop fussing, George. Iris, get that, will you? Rosemary. You should be getting to work. Ruth will worry. Are you happy? What kind of a question is that? I promised you that we'd be as happy as kings. I'm beginning to think I might have let you down somehow. It's just this flu taking me an age to shake it off. You should see the doctor again. There's no point. I'm not cancelling the party. There's a man on the phone for you, Rosemary. Thank you. Didn't he give a name, this man? He just said he wanted Rosemary. Iris... You would tell me if you knew anything, wouldn't you? If there was anything going on. I don't know what you mean. Has she found you something to wear for the party tonight? I haven't really seen her much lately. Hmm. How about I speak to Ruth? I'm sure she'll be able to find something nice for you. Thank you, George. That would be... That was quick. Are you not going to ask me who it was? Who was it? Cousin Victor. He's in trouble again. (sighs) I hope you wished him all the best and hung up. Imagine poor Aunt Lucilla if she did. 
I told him that you get the money to him today. You know there'll never be an end to it if you keep indulging the feckless It's little... my money, George. Just do it and stop going on. I'll speak to Ruth. She'll sort something out. Of course she will. The wonderful Miss Lessing. I was devoted to George Barton. I managed everything for him. Apart from his wedding. I had nothing to do with that. But I stayed on with him. Watched as his elation at marrying Rosemary changed to contentment, then to... something else. I'm sorry I was so late, Ruth. No need to apologise to me, sir. As long as you're all right. I am now. Thank you. I've spoken to the Luxembourg. Everything's arranged for the party. If there's anything else... There is something else, actually. For the party? A rather more unpleasant job, I'm afraid. There's a cousin of my wife's, Victor Drake. He ruined his mother, then shipped about the world, never making much good anywhere. I know the sort. He's rolled up in London, been bothering Rosemary, wanting money. I think the whole thing can be kept quite businesslike if it's done through a third party. What's the arrangement to be? A hundred pounds cash and a ticket to Buenos Aires leaving this afternoon. The money won't be given to him until he sails. Quite so. Are you sure you don't mind? I could do it myself. You have quite enough to deal with, sir. I can assure you I'm quite capable. Whatever would I do without you? Mr. Drake? Huh. George has sent an emissary. Miss Lessing. Uh, Ruth Lessing, yes. Rosemary's mentioned you. What a pleasant surprise. Would you like a drink? I'm just here to bring you this. What's in here? Not the money. You'll get that on the boat. Uh, San Cristobal, sailing at three. George is full of surprises, isn't he? It will be £100, not two. I'd have taken 60 but don't tell him so. The conditions are... Uh, no, don't tell me. Don't worry, lovely cousin Rosemary. Don't contaminate innocent cousin Iris. And don't embarrass worthy cousin-in-law George. It's all agreed to. And who will be coming to make sure I board the San Cristobal? That would be me. I was hoping as much. Don't make fun of me, Mr. Drake. You've been with Barton some time, haven't you? I'm going now. I know all about you, Miss Lessing. Have a seat. Rosemary was complaining about you at some length when I got a hundred out of her the other day. That's too bad of you, Mr. Drake. Oh, I disapprove of myself very deeply. But I have a good time. I've seen a lot of life. I've been an actor, a waiter, a sailor. I've even been in the running for president of the South American Republic. I very much doubt that. There are only two things I haven't done. An honest day's work, or paid my own way. And you needn't look so smug, Ruth the Ruthless. You haven't as many morals as you make out. You don't know me at all. George ought to have married you, don't you think? I think you're rather insulting. Rosemary's the kind that men fall for, but never stick to. Now you, you're different. If a man fell for you... But he wouldn't fall for me, would he? Not unless something happened to Rosemary. Are you sure I can't tempt you to a drink? Later... I went back to the office, a different Ruth Lessing to the one who had left it. No one noticed. I acted just like her. 
but everything had changed. I waited all day for Ruth, but she never came. So I went to find myself a dress in Rosemary's room. She wouldn't care. She had so many. She got all the money when Uncle Paul died. I don't know why he didn't leave it to us both. Didn't seem fair, really. Between the dresses, I found a man's dressing gown. In the pocket was a letter in Rosemary's handwriting. Darling, you can't mean it. We love each other. We love each other. I shall tell George after my birthday party. He'll want to give me my freedom. We can't just say goodbye and go on with our own lives. I can't live without you. I can't. I can't. I can't. I can't. Rosemary had a lover. I tried to think who it could be. Stephen Faraday? I knew they spent a lot of time together, but Stephen was married and an MP. Was Rosemary really that stupid? It was like a dream. Six months of insanity. Going on with my work, my life at home with Sandra, and all the time only thinking about one thing. Rosemary. Breakfast is ready. I thought I'd take a drive into the village, get something there. There's another letter for you, Stephen. Ah, I'll look at it later. I've been thinking about when we met. What? Wondering. Did you really not know who I was? <laughs> Sandra, what's brought this on? You acted so surprised when I told you. Well, I was shy. If I had known, I'd never have had the nerve to speak to you. I mean, even now I find it hard to believe that you weren't ashamed to marry me. I've never been ashamed of you, Stephen. And I don't really care whether you lied or not. It doesn't change anything. Are you sure you won't stay for breakfast? I won't be gone for long. Rosemary, I've only got a few minutes. I've had to call from a bloody phone box. Stephen, did you get my letters? Y you've got to stop writing to me. Come back to London, then. Oh. It wouldn't take you long. I'll see you at your birthday party. That's forever, Stephen. Yeah. I need you now. Come to the flat. Or are you going to make me come down there to see you? I'll see what I can do. I don't believe you've missed me at all, Stephen. You have no idea the risk I'm taking. I'm sure Sandra knows. Then why not just come clean? Tell her the truth. Oh. It's oh. the best thing for everyone. George will divorce me, Sandra will divorce you, and then we can get married. No, I'd never let you do such a thing. What would we do? Wander the world, find some island, be together. Do you remember when you said how lovely it would be for us to die together in each other's arms. Yes, I remember. When shall we tell them? Not yet. I need to think. We should do it before my party. No, no, don't do anything rash. Just, just leave it to me. Hmm? I'll think of the best way to do it. It must have been Stephen Faraday. Perhaps he could have that effect on women. People said his wife was passionately devoted to him. 
Yes, it had to be Stephen, because if it wasn't him, then it had to be Anthony Brown. And I didn't want that. Mm. Mm. I really <laughs> should be getting back to work. Oh, what work, Anthony? All you do is hang around Claridge's looking devastatingly handsome. It's very important work. <laughs> but it can wait. I wouldn't want to get you into any trouble. You already have. I'm ashamed to say I've rather lost my head over you, Rosemary Barton. Likewise, Anthony Brown. Really? Or am I just another one of your playthings? Anthony Brown. Hmm. I've always liked that name. It's a much nicer name than Tony Morelli. What did you say? Just a name. Don't you like it? Don't kid around with me, Rosemary. Who told you? Someone who recognised you. You better tell me or it else. It was my cousin, Victor Drake. I've never met a Victor Drake. Well, I imagine he uses different names too. He was an actor. What are you? How does he know me? I was telling him what a disgrace he was. And he said, you're not so particular yourself, sweetheart. He'd seen me dancing with an ex-jailbird, Anthony Brown. Or Tony Morelli, as he was known inside. An old friend, then. I must renew my acquaintance. Where can I get hold of him? He's being shipped off to South America later today. So you're the only one who knows about this? So far. Listen to me, Rosemary. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> if you know what's good for you, you'll forget all about this Tony Morelli. Are you threatening me? I'm warning you. There are dangerous people in the world and your beautiful face won't keep you safe. Now, you tell me everything you know about this Victor Drake. It couldn't have been Anthony Brown, could it? Why didn't I know? How could this all have been going on and we didn't know a thing? George and I must have been blind. Rosemary said she married me because I made her feel safe. That was good enough for me. I always knew there were about to be flirtations, incidents. As long as there was nothing lasting. But now there was something more. I had seen her writing letters. Were they love letters? Are you in bed? Nearly. What is it? I just wanted to let you know he won't be bothering you again. Who won't? Victor Drake. Ruth should have put him on the boat to Buenos Aires about an hour ago. Most efficiently, I'm sure. Now, can I please get some sleep? I don't remember that dressing gown. Was it one of mine? It was Uncle Paul's. Keeps me warm. Who are you writing to? What? Just now. Were you spying on me, George? I'm concerned about you. Then leave me alone. I need to get some rest before tonight. I'm sorry for disturbing you. Oh, Ruth. Mr. Barton, sorry, there's a problem. He didn't show up for the boat? No, no, that all went off very smoothly, sir. No, it's about Colonel Race. He's been called away on urgent business and won't be able to make it tonight. Oh, that's a shame. What's a shame? I thought you were resting. You've given me a headache. Where's Iris? Iris? Good afternoon, Mrs. Barton. Rosemary, did you call? Get me an aspirin, will you, Iris? And uh, something to take it with. Ruth came to inform us that Colonel Race can't come to the party. Hardly worth a special trip here, Miss Lessing. I thought you might wish me to invite someone else last minute to make up the numbers. Oh, I see. 
Well, I suppose you can come along if you really want. I, I... Uh, Miss Lessing is already coming. You said that would be all right, so there'd be the right number of men and women for the dancing. How forgetful of me. Well, it looks like you'll have to sit out the dancing now. Let me get you a cab, Ruth. That's all right, sir. I can manage. Oh, uh, uh, goodbye, Miss Lessing. Here you go, Rosemary. Oh, I'm sorry, Iris. I forgot to ask Ruth to find you a dress. No one's going to notice me anyway. Oh, I'm going back to bed. Wake me at six o'clock, Iris. Not a moment before. Just gone six. Iris, is there anything of mine you want? I'd like to borrow a dress for tonight. <laughs> That's not what I meant. I mean, look, I'm leaving my platinum cigarette case to Maisie and George can have back any jewellery he's given me. But if there's something that you want, you can have first say. Why are you writing a will? I suppose it cheers me up, thinking that at least I'll make some people happy when I'm dead. I wouldn't be happy. You'd get all the money. I don't even need to write a will, really. Uncle Paul's will says it all goes on to you. I didn't know that. So, you might be happy after all. Are you really very sad, Rosemary? It's almost time for my party. Let's find you a beautiful dress. The round table at the Luxembourg... The seven guests, a space where Colonel Race would have sat, and then myself, Anthony Brown, Rosemary, Stephen Faraday, Ruth Lessing, George, and Lady Alexandra Faraday. She scared me. You must call me Sandra. Thank you, Lady. Sandra. You're very different to your sister, isn't you, Stephen? Oh, what's that, dear? Little Iris. Very different to Rosemary. Why, well, hardly know Iris. But you know Rosemary well enough. If you remember when you first met, your first impression. Mm. No, I can't really recall. Rosemary, do you remember when you first met Stephen, what you thought of him? Uh, not really. It must have been at some party or other. Oh, isn't that funny that neither of you can recall? Yeah. Must have been a good party. <laughs> now, Iris here, she would remember. She takes notice of everything. I wonder what you make of us. I'm just happy to be here. I'm happy you're here, too. That's a beautiful dress. Oh, it's Rosemary's. I know, but it looks better on you. Spare her the charm offensive, Anthony. She's only 17. I'm being honest. I'm sorry that makes you jealous, sweetheart. He'll be asking you to dance with him next. Mm. And then you'll be lost. Would you like to dance, Iris? Later. Uh, perhaps. I told you she was different. A sensible girl. <laughs> well, there's a lot to be said for being sensible. Look at Ruth. She's organised every little detail of tonight. To Mrs. Barton's instructions, of course. I'm going to the powder room. Bring my handbag, Iris. How beautiful Rosemary looked as she stood in front of the glass. We were all standing around her, but Rosemary stood out. The face looking back at me in the glass. It wasn't like my own anymore. How could nobody have noticed that I'd changed since I met Victor? My reflection was lifeless next to Rosemary's. A cold, hard woman. But inside, thinking of the two of them, 
It was almost too much to bear. Oh, Sandra, am I taking all the glass? It's this horrid flu. I look such a sight. Have you still got a headache? Did you bring the aspirin? I bought some specially, Mrs. Barton. Here. Here. I've got a cashew fab. Ah, thank you, Sandra. Uh, it's all right, Ruth. I don't need it. We sat there waiting for the women. I was filled with dread. Rosemary couldn't keep quiet. Nothing could keep her quiet. Except maybe a glass of poisoned champagne. Had Rosemary listened to my warning? Did she realize that I was deadly serious? A silly little fool. I couldn't rely on her to keep her mouth shut. Both of them had been staring at Rosemary all evening. Which one of them was it? I wanted to kill him with my bare hands. I wanted to choke the life out of her. How's uh, business going, Barton? Not bad, not bad. You'll have had the summer off. Yeah, I've been down to Fairhaven. Oh, I've heard it's nice down that way. Oh, it's heavenly. Spot of golf, walk the dogs. Mm. Mm. Been back up to town a few times, though. Yeah, for work, yes. Very inconvenient. You been away at all, Brown? Well, in my line of business, you're always on the move. I've never really understood what business you're in. Organised crime, Barton. Huh? Robberies arranged, larcenies a feature. Something to do with armaments, I heard. You mustn't give me away, Faraday. The spies of foreign powers are everywhere. <laughs> ah, the ladies are coming back. How about we have a toast to Rosemary? You know, that's all arranged for later, ah. after the dance. Mm. You can dance with me first, Stephen. It's bad form to dance with one's spouse. <laughs> Iris, you promised me. Did I? I'm afraid that means you'll have to do me the honour, Mr. Barton. Oh. Do you mind sitting this one out, Ruth? Not at all, sir. All the girls took our turn sitting out, except for Rosemary. I watched her dance with Stephen, George, Anthony Brown. He really was an extraordinary dancer. I hoped he wasn't her lover, but Rosemary didn't want to stop. Rosemary! One more song, please. Tell them, Anthony! I think everyone can hear you just fine. <laughs> if you'll just come over. It's my birthday! <laughs> he knows that. That's why he's gone to all this trouble. You don't want to make a scene, do you, dear? I don't really care. But other people do. Go on, Barton. <clears throat> I, uh... Well, I, I just wanted to make a toast. To someone we all love very much. The reason why we're here tonight. My wife. Rosemary Barton. To Rosemary. Happy birthday. To Rosemary. Happy birthday. Happy birthday to me. Rosemary. Rosemary. I wish I could forget. Her fingers, her beautiful face turning blue. They found the stuff in her handbag, potassium of cyanide in a little fold of paper. A policeman came to talk to us, asked us lots of questions, asked us to think back, remember what we knew about Rosemary and why she might have wanted to kill herself. A thousand thoughts flooded through my head. We were all reeling. But what could I say to the police? What did I really know about Rosemary? I don't know what to tell you, Inspector. I just can't begin to imagine. It must be some kind of mistake. Could it have been a horrible Mrs. mistake? Barton had been ill recently. I remember Mr. Barton mentioning it to me. Influenza. 
Apart from that, I can't see. I'd been away all summer. I hadn't seen her at all. So perhaps I noticed more of a change. She was quite down. A friend of mine who had influenza was brought very low. Depression, they said. It can take some people that way, if they have a pre-existing... Rosemary was the life and soul, as always. But behind that, who knows? You never really know someone, do you? Even those closest to you. Actually, I do remember something. Rosemary was writing a will. She told me before the party, asked me if there was anything I wanted. It never crossed my mind that she was... that she was thinking of... Suicide. Depression after influenza. Really? Based on the police investigation, on the doctor's evidence. Do you think the coroner's right, George? I don't want to think about it anymore, Iris. It won't bring her back. We have to carry on somehow. I suppose I should start thinking... You must stay here, of course. I won't hear of your moving out. But we should get some kind of companion. Oh, I don't think that would I was be thinking nice. about your Aunt Lucilla. I know she's hard up, thanks to Cousin Victor. She might be glad of the opportunity. Perhaps you're right. That would be nice. Well, I don't imagine she's very good at making introductions, all of that, but you're not really at that stage yet, are you? You can keep each other company here when you're not in lessons. Whatever you think best. There is one other thing, Iris. The money. What money? Rosemary's money. You might have assumed it comes to me, but the solicitor informs me that it actually goes to you. All of it. I... I had no idea. You won't get it until you're 21, or before if you marry. But you're not thinking of marrying anyone, are you? I can hardly think of anything. It's so much to take in. It's best to think of nothing. Rosemary's at peace now. We should get some sleep. It was as if we all went to sleep. George went back to work. Stephen Faraday went back to the house. We didn't see him or Sandra, except in the newspapers. Anthony Brown vanished off the face of the earth. Ruth carried on being a rock for George, much to my Aunt Lucilla's annoyance. I did as I was told, and didn't think about it at all, for almost a year. Iris? George, what is it? Do you mind if I come in? I need to talk to you in private. Is something the matter? I want to talk to you about Rosemary. Why? Something happened? I've just been wondering. Did Rosemary talk to you much? About what? Herself, her friends, whether she was happy, that sort of thing. Oh, she was always too busy for me. Who might she have confided in, do you think? Maisie Atwell? What sort of confidence do you mean? How about the Faradays? Was she intimate with them? Uh, Stephen used to lend her pamphlets and things. What did Sandra Faraday think about that? I wouldn't know. Did Rosemary ever say she was afraid of anybody? What's this all about, George? It's been months since Rosemary died. What's the point in wondering now? Because I no longer think she's at peace. You've got to tell me what you think, whether it's possible. I mean, you must have noticed something. There must have been a reason. Look, read this. You think your wife committed suicide? She didn't. She was killed. And, and another. Your wife, Rosemary, didn't kill herself. 
She was murdered. One last week, one this morning. At first I thought it was a joke. And then I began to think, why would Rosemary have killed herself? Depression after influenza. Yeah, but when you think about it, lots of people have influenza and they Look, don't... she might have been unhappy. She might threaten to do it, but still, I don't think she'd really, when it came down to it... She must have done, George. There's no other explanation. Whoever killed her must have had a reason. George, this is crazy. I've got to know. You've got to help me, Iris. Remember, you've got to remember every damn thing you can. Go back over everything again. That night. Because you see, don't you? If Rosemary was killed, it must have been someone who was with us at the table. Rosemary. That's for remembrance. In Agatha Christie's Sparkling Cyanide, Iris was played by Naomi Frederick, Rosemary by Jasmine Hyde, George, Peter White, and Anthony by Colin Tierney. Ruth was Amanda Drew, Stephen, James Laley, Sandra, Tracy Wiles, and Victor was Simon Bubb. Sparkling Cyanide was dramatised for radio by Joy Wilkinson, and the director was Mary Pete. And you can hear part two of Sparkling Cyanide next Monday at the same time. Now on Radio 4, we continue our new adaptation of Agatha Christie's Sparkling Cyanide. A year on from Rosemary's death, everyone is still reeling. What's this all about, George? It's been months since Rosemary died. What's the point in wondering now? Look, read this. You think your wife committed suicide? She didn't. She was killed. And, and another. Your wife, Rosemary, didn't kill herself. She was murdered. One last week, one this morning. At first I thought it was a joke. And then I began to think, why would Rosemary have killed herself? Depression after influenza. Yeah, but when you think about it, lots of people have influenza and they Look, don't... she might have been unhappy. She might threaten to do it, but still, I don't think she'd really, when it came down to it... She must have done, George. There's no other explanation. Whoever killed her must have had a reason. George, this is crazy. I've got to know. You've got to help me, Iris. Remember, because you see, don't you? If Rosemary was killed, it must have been someone who was with us at the table. Rosemary. That's for remembrance. To Rosemary. Happy birthday. Happy birthday to me. Rosemary. <laughs> Sparkling cyanide. Part two. All Souls Day. It was suicide, George. Then why would somebody write these letters? Why would anyone want to kill Rosemary? I, I don't know. Please, George, let it go. Burn the letters. Forget all about it. Thank you, Iris. You're a sensible girl. He told me they were burnt, forgotten. I got on with my life, my lessons and my first society parties with my new companion, Aunt Lucilla. She was a kindly old sheep following me around, bleating about wonderful cousin Victor and then sobbing about how unfortunate he'd been in life. I didn't mind. As long as Aunt Lucilla was talking, she didn't seem to notice who I was dancing with. Iris Marl. I don't expect you'll remember me. 
Of course I remember you, Mr. Brown. <laughs> it's uh, such a long time since... Rosemary's birthday party. Not that long, really. Where have you been? Travelling. On business. Is that why you've come back? On business? Perhaps I've come back to see you, Iris Marl. Would you like to dance? Uh, Lucilla tells me you've been seeing a lot of Anthony Brown. It's really none of her business. What do you know about him? Well, he was a friend of Rosemary's. He's a good dancer. What more do you think I should know? Well, you're a very rich young woman, Iris. Unscrupulous men will take advantage of that. Unscrupulous? I've heard things, and he does nothing to reassure me. He doesn't come to the house much, does he? Mm, I know why. If this is how you feel about him. I only wanted to give you a timely warning. Why? Do you think he's going to try to murder me? I'm sorry, George. I worry about you, Iris. I'm not still thinking about those horrible letters. I'll talk to Lucilla. She should be taking you out more, meeting more young people when we get back. Back from where? Oh, dear, Iris. Yeah. Am I late? I was dreaming about Victor when he was little. Good morning, Lucilla. Back from where, George? George, how nice to see you at the table. I always think breakfast at the office must be terrible for the digestive system. You're certainly not thriving on it. Where are we going? I bought a house in the country. Bought a house? I thought we could all go there for the summer. Weren't we going to rent that place at Goring? Nicer to have a place of one's own, eh? Where is it? On the river? It's in Sussex. Fairhaven. Isn't that where the Faradays have a place? Stephen Faraday? Yes, the MP and his wife, Lady Sandra. Do you know them? Mm, we know them very well. Ah. Or rather, Rosemary did. I completely forgot they had a place down there. Can't we go somewhere else? It's all arranged now. Mm. I suppose it'll need a lot of decorating. Uh, Ruth will see to all of that. It'll be perfect. I've managed to hire the man who used to take care of the gardens. A Mr Hawkins. He says everything should be shipshaped by the weekend. Oh, we'll go down on Saturday then. I'll go down the day before if you like. Make sure it's all ready. I really would be lost without you, Ruth. It's no trouble at all, sir. Whatever I can do to help. Oh, would you send Race our new address and arrange a convenient time for him to visit? Colonel Race? He should have his details from... from last year. I have his details on file. I just wondered why. Oh, just a friendly catch-up. Can you arrange it, please? Of course, sir. I'll get right onto it. Oh. The decor could be better if it had been left to us. It doesn't feel like we're really living here. More like we're occupying it, waiting for something. Really, Iris? I feel quite anxious about you. I'm perfectly well, Aunt Lucilla. Oh, I think the air down here is inclined to be enervating. If George had consulted me instead of Miss Lessing. All very well in the office, I dare say. But a grave mistake encouraging her to imagine she's one of the family... Well, Ruth practically is one of the family. But she means to be, that's quite clear. That young woman is out for matrimony. I never thought of George marrying Ruth. You don't see what's going on under your nose, child. We must do everything we can to protect George. Wouldn't it really be rather nice for him? I think she is fond of him. And she'd look after him very well. George is very well looked after at present. I'm sure he'd let you stay as long as you like. Mothballs. I must remember to order some in. It's been such a hot summer. 
Hawkins said he's taken 30 wasps' nests. He's used up almost all the cyanide. There, you're shivering. I said you had a chill. Tea, no sugar? Well remembered. You don't mind if I have something a little stronger? So, young George, I think you'd better tell me what's the trouble. Trouble? Yes, it is trouble, Colonel Race. Yeah. I need your help. Anything I can do. My wife was supposed to have committed suicide. Supposed to? Read these. Hmm. Anonymous letters. I believe them. Uh, who do you think wrote them? I don't know. I don't care. The point is that I believe what they say is true. My wife was murdered. Had you any suspicion at the time? Had the police? I was dazed. Just accepted the verdict at the inquest. The stuff was in her handbag, you see. What stuff? Cyanide. She drank it in her champagne. Had she ever threatened to commit suicide? Never. Rosemary loved life. What about some medical evidence, her state of mind? Her own doctor was away. His partner didn't really know her. Mm -hmm. All he said was the type of influenza she had had could cause serious depression. But Rosemary's own doctor told me recently that he was very surprised by what happened. After talking to him, I realised how unconvincing the idea of suicide was. And even if she had contemplated it, surely she'd never do it that way. Painful and ugly. Was there any evidence of her getting hold of the cyanide? Well, she'd been staying with friends who had used some in the garden. No one can say for sure. So there was no evidence of a predisposition to suicide and no evidence of any preparation for it. But there can also have been no evidence pointing to murder or the police would have got hold of it. I think I must have had my doubts all along. Who do you suspect? Well, that's what's so terrible. If Rosemary was killed, one of those people around the table, one of our friends, must have done it. No one else came near the table. Who poured the wine? Giuseppe, the head waiter. It can't have been him. Tell me exactly who was there and where exactly you were all sitting. Well, I had Sandra Faraday on my left. Lady Alexandra, you know. Next to her was Anthony Brown, some kind of international businessman. Then there was Rosemary, then Stephen Faraday, Sandra's husband. Then next to her was Iris. Have you met Iris? I don't believe so. She's Rosemary's little sister. Oh, you were supposed to be sitting next to her, so that's where the empty space was. Mm. And on the other side of it, there was Ruth Lessing, my secretary. She was on my right, so that's all of us. Your wife had drunk champagne all evening? The glass was filled several times. It must have happened during the dancing. The lights went up and we drank to her and... Then she... Stephen Faraday was on her left, easy enough to slip the stuff in her glass. Any reason why Stephen Faraday might want to do away with your wife? Peter, come here, boy. Come on. Oh. Here, boy. You know, I wish they hadn't come down here for the summer. Eh? I never wanted to see them again. I didn't know you felt like that too, Sandra. Neighbours are so important in the country. Mm. One can't just keep people as amiable acquaintances. We could go somewhere else. Say we fancied a change. We couldn't do that, Stephen. They would know. Well, we could say that you were ill. At least that would give you a reason to refuse any invitations. If you're going, so am I. 
However little our marriage means, it should at least mean sharing our difficulties. Why do you say that? However little. Sandra? It doesn't matter. But of course it matters. Sandra! Wait! <laughs> Sandra! Sandra! What is it? It's nothing. I don't know why I said it. Our marriage means everything to me. If they weren't here, I'd be able to forget. George Barton? What has he got to do Rosemary, with Rosemary, you were in love with her, weren't you? No. How can you... Oh, there's no point lying, Stephen. I've always known. How did you find out? Men can be very stupid. Even you. But the thing is... You're wrong. I didn't love Rosemary. Not really. It's always been you. You married me for my connections. Let's not keep pretending. It was the feelings I had for Rosemary that weren't real. It was just a brief madness. And then I realized the only thing that mattered was you. I thought that... that you were going to go away with her. Isn't that what she wanted? It wasn't what I wanted. And then... Well, you know what happened. It was all over. You don't still love her? You want the truth? When Rosemary died, I felt relieved. Glad, even. Is that a terrible thing? No. I was glad, too. So we can forget all about her. Just be together. If only they'd all go away. Well, Stephen and Rosemary had been close. If if Rosemary had turned him down, for instance... That's the only motive you can suggest? I'm afraid so. Then let's examine the other possibility. One of the women. No, I don't see why it's more likely to be one well, of Well, there women. must have been times when three couples were dancing and one woman was alone at the table. Before the toast, who was sitting alone? Um, I think... Iris was the last one to be left out, and it was Ruth the time before, and then it must have been Sandra. Did uh, Iris come into any money on your wife's death? Iris was devoted to Rosemary. She had opportunity. I want to know if she had motive. All the money went to Iris, in trust, till she's of age or married. The rich sister and the poor sister. Some girls might have resented that. I'm sure Iris never did. Who else had a motive? Nobody. I've looked into all of that. I've even taken this place to be near to the Faradays, so it's... Hadn't you better tell me everything, young George? You'd reason to believe your wife and Stephen Faraday were lovers? It might have been him, or it could have been Brown. Anthony Brown? I seem to have heard of him. You probably know more than me, then. Claims to be American, but he's got no accent to speak of. Perhaps the embassy will know. Iris. Anthony! Oh, I thought I was alone. How did you know where I was? An excellent pair of field glasses. Why don't you come to the house like an ordinary person? Because I'm an extraordinary person. <laughs> Is anything the matter? I'm just... Oh, tired of being down here. Why don't you come to the house and have tea? Give a few more people the benefit of your extraordinary qualities. I've got to get back. Well, you never come to the house in London, either. I get the sense your brother-in-law doesn't like me. You used to come when Rosemary asked you. That was rather different. 
I don't know why you bothered coming here at all. I came to ask you a question, Iris. What question? Do you trust me? You thought I was going to ask you something else, but this is the most important question in the world to me right now. Do you trust me? Yes. Then I'll ask you the next question. Will you come up to London and marry me without telling anybody? I couldn't. You couldn't marry me? Not like that. But you do love me. You know I do. Then come and marry me. George would be so hurt, and Aunt Lucilla. Anyway, I'm only 18. I, I can't marry without my guardian's consent. A lie about your age. They couldn't unmarry us. I can't do it, Anthony. And I don't see why we'd have to do it like that. What's the point? You'd have to take my reasons on trust. But if you can't, never mind. Well, if George only got to know you a little better, please, come back with me. George has a visitor. I was watching through my field glasses. Colonel Race. George does know someone called that. He was meant to be at Rosemary's party. Don't think about that anymore, Iris. But did it ever occur to you? I mean, have you ever thought that Rosemary might not have committed suicide? That she might have been killed? Whoever put that idea into your head? Has it never occurred to you? Forget it, Iris. Forget Rosemary. Only think of me. Before she died, I found Rosemary writing a letter. I, I examined the blotting paper after she'd gone. It was a love letter, but there was no name. If it was Stephen, then Sandra Faraday would also have a motive. She's recklessly devoted to the man. You really think she could have done it? What about Ruth Lessing? Is she fond of you? Of course she is. What do you... If she envisaged herself as the next Mrs. Barton? She's the dearest girl in the world. She would never dream of... No, it wasn't Ruth. I suppose it's occurred to you that you have a pretty good motive yourself. How did you feel when you found that love letter? I'd never harm a hair on her head. You can't think that. No, not really. If you were a successful murderer, these letters would have ended up on the fire. And that brings me to what I think is the one really interesting thing. Who wrote these letters? I haven't the least idea. We can assume it wasn't the murderer. Why would he write them when the suicide was universally accepted? So, who wrote them? Who is interested in stirring the whole thing up again? Servants? I, I don't know. It's not the point. Then what is? You can't bring Rosemary back to life, whatever you do. If the evidence for suicide isn't good, neither is the evidence for murder. I want to get at the truth. Then take these letters to the police. No, I'm not going to the police. That's why I called you. I'm having another party at the Luxembourg. I want you to come. The same people will be there. The Faradays, Anthony Brown, Ruth, Iris, myself. I've got it all worked out. What are you going to do? It would spoil it if I told anyone beforehand, even you. I want you to come along with an unbiased mind and, and see what happens. Amateur shows in crime aren't advisable. But you're not an amateur. I've retired from the service. Oh, you still work with the police. You're as good as them. Better. And yet you still propose to keep me in the dark. That's necessary. It's dangerous. It'll be dangerous for somebody, all right. I'm sorry, George. I don't like your plan and I won't be party to it. My advice is to give it up. Right now. From George Barton. 
to Ruth Lessing, to Anthony Brown, to, to Stephen, Stephen and, and Alexandra Faraday, to Colonel Race, to Iris Marl. You are invited to a party. I don't want to go. You have to go, Iris. It's for your birthday. That isn't until the week after. Well, that was the only date they had available. All Souls Day. You should be glad. I've invited your friend along. Anthony. I thought it was time we got to know him a little better. Oh, but all the others, they're not my friends. They're not yours. You think one of them murdered her. You, you, you were right, Iris. That, that was just my madness. Grief. But I've come to terms with it now. I think this will help me make a fresh start. Will Colonel Race be there? He's had to decline, regretfully. But the rest of us will be there. You will come, Iris, won't you? We'll make some excuse. No, George will just change the date to suit us. Why would Iris be so particularly anxious for our company? And why on earth would you have it at the Luxembourg? The man must be mad. Doesn't he realise how it would be for us? He has a reason. He told me that the girl had never recovered properly from the shock of her sister's death. Yeah, well, she does look far from well. He said she's avoided the Luxembourg ever since. I don't wonder. He's consulted some specialist, and the advice is that after such a shock, the trouble must be faced, oh. not avoided. Does the specialist suggest another suicide? He suggests that the associations must be overcome. A party with the same people present. I simply don't believe that George is doing all this for Iris. Neither do I. What do you think this party is, Sandra? I think it's some sort of trap. And we walk into it? We haven't any choice. Please don't cry, Aunt Lucilla. You can't imagine how it feels. He comes to me for help and I can't do anything. I'm his mother. Not having breakfast in bed today, Iris? It is your birthday, in a way. I'm not really hungry. I hope you're not coming down with something. I'll come to the party, George. You needn't worry. It's Aunt Lucilla you should be concerned about. I'm sure Victor will be fine. I know, my boy. He wouldn't say it was a matter of life and death if it wasn't. I've said I'll see to it. <sighs> Thank you, George. You're always so kind. But if there were any delay, and I couldn't forgive myself. I'll get Ruth to cable our agent right away. <gasps> I hope it's not too late. Don't you think we ought to put off the party and stay at home with Aunt Lucilla? It's all planned for tonight. But if Victor is really in trouble... Oh, why should that swindling young crook upset our whole lives? Well, perhaps she could come with us tonight. There'll be a spare seat anyway. No, there won't. But I thought you said before... Uh, I've got to go to work. Good morning, Mr Barton. I'm afraid there's trouble again, Ruth. Look... Victor Drake. It must be about a year since we shipped him out there. One year ago, precisely. What an amazing girl you are. He's not easily forgotten. 300 pounds seems rather a lot. We'll make the usual investigations. I'll do it right now. His mother is in a state, as ever. Makes it very difficult with a party tonight. Would you like me to stay in with her? No, Ruth. You're the one person who's got to be there. Let me get on to our agent in Buenos Aires. I'll try to get the whole thing cleared up by tonight. 
I think you will be satisfied, Mr. Barton. Uh, we have arranged the same table for this evening, uh, precisely the same seating. Thank you, Giuseppe. You understand about the extra place? It is all arranged. And the rosemary for the vase? You would not prefer uh, chrysanthemums? No, just the rosemary. Ah, very good, sir. Uh, may I just mention how glad we are that you are coming back to us. Uh, I'm sure Miss Iris will have a very happy birthday party. Hmm. Uh, do you have a telephone I could use? Uh, of course, just here. We'll see you this evening, sir. Yes, uh, motor vial 86922, please. Then it's all arranged. Good. Thank you for your assistance. Good afternoon, Mr. Barton. I completely forgot lunch. I, I don't suppose you... On your desk, sir. <sighs> Wonderful girl. You seem a little better. Yes, well, everything seems to be coming together. I'm afraid Victor Drake may be about to ruin that. From what I've been able to ascertain, he's been helping himself to a firm's money, and if it's not repaid, he's at risk of a criminal prosecution. How much? £165. <laughs> so he was intending to pocket the rest. I've told our agent to settle the business. Personally, I'd be delighted to put Victor Drake in prison. But one has to think of his mother. I think you're the best man in the world, Mr Barton. Dearest Ruth... Take the rest of the day off. Get yourself something nice. I'll see you tonight. 9.30 at the Luxembourg. I'm so glad you could all come. Sandra, will you sit here on my left? Brown, you go next to her. Shouldn't we mix things up a little? Oh, yes, let's. It's all been arranged. If you'll listen to Mr. Barton. Iris, my dear, it's your party. I must have you next to me. Uh, you beyond her, Faraday, then you, Ruth. Champagne, sir? Uh, thank you, Giuseppe. What about Colonel Race? I thought he wasn't coming. He may be late. Uh, there's a chance I might have to leave early. You're not going before we dance, Gallatin. You may have quite a wait then, I'm afraid. The exhibition dance is starting. <coughs> Remarkable dancer. He wasn't bad, I suppose. He was better than last year's. Oh, don't let's talk about last year's. No, let's not. Mm. Let's go and dance instead. First, let's drink a toast. Oh, mm. no, George, I really it don't want It is your birthday. To. Better to get it over with, my dear. We can dance afterwards. Has everyone got a drink? To the young lady whose birthday we're celebrating. To Iris Marr. Iris. 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 Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. <laughs> now let's dance yes excuse me miss you dropped your handbag you didn't really think something would happen oh I feel so much better now are you sure it's my birthday and I've got everything I wanted I have this knack for knowing when I'm being lied to so you might as well come out with it were you ever in love with Rosemary? <laughs> you were. She was very lovely, you know, and, and then I came to the party and I saw you and in a minute it was all over. Blown away. Do you believe me? Yes, I think I do. Have you thought any more about what I asked you? Yes, I have. 
And? I'll tell you later. Do you know, in spite of everything, I'm having rather a good time. It'd be hard to have a bad time when you've been dancing with me, Lady Faraday. Call her Sandra. Oh, shall we get another bottle lined up? Where's Giuseppe gone? There's another waiter. Shall I call him? No, what is the rush? There's plenty left here. Quite right, Stephen. There's no need. And actually, there's something... something I want to ask you all. What is it, Mr Barton? George? I don't want us to recall past sadness, but I also don't want to feel that Rosemary is completely forgotten. Mm. I want to ask you to drink to her memory, for remembrance sake. Yes, of course. We must. Has everyone got Everyone's it? fine. Go on, Barton. <laughs> to Rosemary, for remembrance. Mm. To, to Rosemary. Rosemary. Mr. Barton? <coughs> George! Someone help me. Help me, please. Yes. Someone help me. Is there a doctor? In Agatha Christie's Sparkling Cyanide, Iris was played by Naomi Frederick, George by Peter White, Anthony, Colin Tierney, and Ruth by Amanda Drew. Race was Sean Baker, Stephen, James Laley, Sandra, Tracy Wiles, Lucilla, Adjua Ando, and Giuseppe, Gerard McDermott. Sparkling Cyanide was dramatised for radio by Joy Wilkinson, and the director was Mary Peat. Oh, the final part of our new dramatisation of Agatha Christie's Sparkling Cyanide. I'm having another party. Have you ever thought that Rosemary might not have committed suicide? I think you're the best man in the world, Mr. Barton. See you tonight. 9.30 at the Luxembourg. What do you think this party is, Sandra? I think it's some sort of trap. It'll be dangerous for somebody, all right. I'm sorry, George. I don't like your plan and I won't be party to it. My advice is to give it up. Mr. Barton? George? <laughs> George! <laughs> Sparkling Cyanide, Part 3, Iris. Tea, no sugar. Uh, certainly, Colonel Race. Now, tell me everything you can remember from last night. I took personal charge of Mr. Barton's table. I, I poured the wine, but I did not put poison into it. I know, Giuseppe, I was watching. You were there, but I thought... I couldn't stay away. I came to the restaurant, joined the cabaret, whilst everyone was distracted. I took a seat in the corner and watched what was happening. Other waiters did attend the table. Busboys. I had other duties, but I can vouch for all of my staff. I believe it had to be one of the guests, but I need to know what you saw. There was one strange thing. Go on. The list of guests we had in included your name, Colonel Race. But on the night, Mr. Barton told me that you would not be coming and that instead a young lady would be joining them later. A young lady? Do you have a name? Uh, that was all he said. When did you last notice Mr. Barton drink from his glass? When the cabaret was over, they drank to Miss Iris's health. Mm -hmm. uh, then they went to dance. Uh, when they came back, there was a second toast in memory of Mrs. Barton. Uh, Mr. Barton drinks again and... 
and he is dead. Did you see anyone come near the table whilst they were dancing? No, I am certain. Except for uh, James. James? Uh, one of the boss boys. He picked up an evening bag that one of the girls had dropped when she got up. Uh, Miss uh, Iris's bag, I believe. What did he do with it? He put it back on the table and got on with his work. It was a very busy night. Uh, he, he knew I was watching. You're sure he didn't touch any of the glasses? Uh, quite sure. Then it must have been one of the guests. What right have you to question us? You're not a policeman. Scotland Yard values my special insight into the investigation, Mr. Faraday. My husband is tired, Colonel <clears throat> Grace. Please, ask us any questions you like. Who killed George Barton? <laughs> well, I should think that's quite obvious, don't you? We all thought his wife's death was preying on his mind. He was acting so oddly. Hmm. So the idea of suicide seemed, if not natural, then at least possible. I can assure you this was murder. Well, I can't imagine why anyone should want to murder George Barton. George Barton believed that his wife had been poisoned. He also believed that he was on the track of the person who did it. And the dinner last night, ostensibly for Miss Marl, was really part of some plan he had to find out the identity of the murderer. <laughs> if the murderer realised this, they might well decide to get rid of George first. But surely that very plan points to the fact that poor Barton was not quite himself. I agree, Mr. Faraday, but at least it shows that his frame of mind was not suicidal. But how did he get such an idea into his head? Rosemary did commit suicide. This murder would seem to throw that into question. In what way has Mr. Barton's behaviour been odd? He was jumpy, nervous. Oh, yeah, and the man looked ill. He'd lost weight. Was the late Mrs. Barton a good friend, Lady Sandra? She was mostly Stephen's friend. What about Anthony Brown? Would you say... He had been on special terms of intimacy with Mrs. Barton. How on earth would we know that, Colonel? I'm simply asking for your impression, Mr. Farrell. I did form the impression that they knew each other well, from the way they looked at each other. Ladies often have good judgment on these matters. What about Miss Lessing? Did you form the impression that she was in love with George Barton? I really haven't the least idea. Listen, I'm expected at the house. I'm afraid I can't be late. Yes, if you need more information, please just call. Actually, Mr Faraday, there are one or two small points. I know you're a busy man. Of course. Whatever I can do. Thank you for coming, Miss Lessing. George always told me how much he relied upon you. I was with him for eight years. I think he trusted me. I'm sure of that. Was it really murder, Colonel Race? Your opinion should be as good as anyone's. How did it seem? It's difficult. He was upset, disturbed even, but then there was reason for that. Victor Drake? He told you. Was Drake the cause of George's upset? Mrs Drake had been tearful, I gather, so he wanted to straighten it all out, but then we had had this same business before in one form or another. It seemed that his annoyance this time was more because he was so entirely preoccupied with something else. With what, do you think? The party. He was excited like a child might have been. Do you think he had a special purpose for organising it? Frankly, I thought it a most extraordinary idea. But he didn't confide in you in any way? I'm afraid not. He didn't tell you that he believed his wife had been murdered? George believed that? He had received anonymous letters stating it. Poor George must have thought, by reproducing the same conditions, he would... What would he gain? 
He must have been so muddled. Do you still think Mrs. Barton's death was suicide? She was very unhappy. And I know she was still not well. In the cloakroom that night, Sandra Faraday had given her a cachet fevre for her headache. Did she take it? She put it in her bag for later. Why? You don't think that George thought the Faradays killed her? Had you any reason for killing Rosemary Barton? I suppose you had better know. I was in love with George Barton before he even met Rosemary. I don't think he ever knew. Certainly he didn't care. Did you dislike Rosemary? I disliked her a great deal. Hmm. I was shocked at the way she died, but I wasn't sorry. Not like I am about George. Oh. I'm sure he didn't kill himself, but I don't see how... Cyanide doesn't get into a glass by itself, and if no one else came near the table... Think back over last night. Have you absolutely no idea, no suspicion even, of how it might have happened? No idea at all. Are you certain? For a moment, it seems... I'm sorry, Colonel. I can't help you. Iris will be along in a moment, uh, Colonel. Uh, I just wanted a private word. Uh, what is it, Mrs. Drake? Well, is there really any need for all this investigation? <clears throat> Mightn't it all be simply due to suggestion? This horrid place, remembering what happened to... Poor Rosemary. You have my deepest sympathies, Mrs. Drake, but it was most definitely cyanide poisoning. <sighs> Will you stay on at the house with Iris? Oh, I find the responsibility most worrying. The fact that she is a great heiress. Poor George was worried too. A young man named Brown. What about <clears throat> Mr. Brown, Aunt Lucilla? Iris, dear... This is Colonel Race. Well, thank you for coming, Miss Mark. Why are you talking about Anthony? <clears throat> Only to say, we know nothing about him. He was supposed to come in for interview first thing, but he hasn't turned up. You'll have every chance of getting to know him very soon. I'm going to marry him. Iris, <laughs> you mustn't. Nothing can be settled at present. But it is settled, Aunt Lucilla. One can't even talk about such things. It isn't decent. George would never have approved. He didn't like Anthony. But it's my life. And anyway, George is dead. <gasps> What's a thing to say? I only mean that he's at peace and needn't worry about me anymore. I must decide things for myself. When did Mr Brown ask you to marry him? Last week, when we were down in Fairhaven. He wanted me to come up to London and marry him the next day without telling anyone. And now I wish I had. That was a very curious request. I should have just trusted him. He asked me to, and I didn't. But I'll marry him now, as soon as he likes. <laughs> Thank you for your help, Mrs Drake. If I may speak privately with Miss Marl now. Uh, well, yes, <clears throat> of, of course. Why didn't you join us last night? I told George I wouldn't be there. That empty chair. It was never for you, was it? Well, I think I knew. It was for Rosemary. Well, are you all right, Miss Marl? Can I get you some water? I must get things clear. Who wrote those letters? Do you know? I didn't know that you were aware of them. George showed me. He believed Rosemary was killed, and then he arranged this party with an empty chair for her on All Souls Day, and Rosemary came back and told him the truth. Too late. You mustn't let your imagination... I felt her myself. She is trying to tell me something, but none of it makes sense. Don't you think so? 
If George was beginning to suspect, then the killer... No, but that's just it. Rosemary wasn't killed. She did have a reason to commit suicide. Look. Oh. Uh, darling, you can't mean it. We, we, we can't just say goodbye and go on with our own lives. I can't live without you. I can't. I can't. It does show that her death was suicide, doesn't it? I'm sorry to interrupt, Colonel, but this young lady is insisting is on... Here? Oh, why? Oh, she looks just like Rosemary. Are you all right, miss? Is she all right? It's not Rosemary. Oh, yeah, I can tell that from her voice, but... Her face, her hair, everything. My name's Chloe West. I read in the paper about the man who died here last night. Uh, Giuseppe, will you take Miss Marl outside, get her a cab? Uh, yes, sir. Uh, this way, miss. Uh, don't worry. Uh, I've got you. Uh, try to get some rest, Iris. Oh, just you look so much like her. That's what he said to me, this Mr way. Barton. Uh, do sit down, Miss uh, West. Oh, thank you. How did you know him? I'm an actress. I think he saw me in Spotlight. He got in touch, told me what he wanted me to do. What was that? He wanted a surprise for the guests at his party. He showed me a photo of a lady. He said that's exactly how he wanted me to look. I was to wait for the first cabaret show, and then, while they were all dancing, I was to come into the main room, but stay hidden till they were back at the table, and Mr Barton made a toast. Then I was to come and take the empty seat. So why didn't you keep the appointment, Miss West? Because last night, before I set off, someone, Mr Barton, rung up and said the whole thing was being put off. He said he'd ring me today to explain, but then I saw the papers. I knew he wouldn't be ringing. You said someone. Is it possible it might not have been Mr Barton who called? At first, I didn't think so. His voice sounded different, husky, as though he had a cold. But it was definitely a man's voice. Yes. Well... At least, I think so. Colonel Rayton. Hmm? Oh. oh, sorry, I didn't realise you were with... Thank you for coming back, Mr Faraday. This is Miss Chloe West, an actress. I see. Nice to meet you. And you. You've been very helpful, Miss West. Thank you. I hope you find who did it. Mr Barton seemed like a nice man. He paid me up front. She looks uncannily like... The vacant chair at the table was for her. When George proposed the toast to Rosemary, that was her cue to walk in. What? <laughs> what on earth was he thinking? That someone's reaction might give them away, reveal them to be the murderer, Banquo's ghost. But all did not go according to plan. Well, that's as maybe. But I fail to see how I can help. I've already told you everything. Tell I... me what you know about this love letter. And there's nothing to indicate this was written to me. But it was, wasn't it, Mr Faraday? Should I ask your wife for confirmation? Even if it was, what are you suggesting? That I drove Rosemary to suicide and then murdered her husband? It may have been suicide, it may not. You have to admit that her death came at a very convenient time for you. A scandal would have affected your career. Rosemary would have seen reason. Is your wife a very jealous woman? Sandra is far too sensible to even contemplate... Do you keep cyanide at your country house? The gardener may. I know nothing about it. I know nothing about any of this. It's Anthony Brown you should be speaking to. He's the one with the shady past, the one who vanished after Rosemary died, the one who seems to have vanished now. Mr Brown? Colonel Race. You were expecting someone else? Someone slightly more attractive for an afternoon messing about on a boating lake. 
I don't suppose that's what you've come here for? I made Irish tell me where you planned to meet. Otherwise, I didn't know how our paths might cross. You're so busy. Have a cigarette? I have my pipe. A light, then. <clears throat> Thank you, Mr. Tony Morelli. I shan't waste time denying it. Your evasiveness has given me plenty of time to talk to the embassy, to the yard. Sabotage at the Ericsson Aeroplane Works in America, inveigling your way into a circle of armaments manufacturers here, a trail of unaccountable accidents following you. Coincidences are extraordinary things. Then you re-emerge in London to reacquaint yourself with Iris Marl and try to get her to marry you in secret. Is that the concern of Scotland Yard? Or MI5? You were in the service, weren't you, Colonel? Everything I've said is true, and yet it's all wrong. You're one of us, aren't you? <laughs> it's funny how one knows one's own. That's why I've tried to avoid meeting you. It was important no one knew who I was until the operation was completed. That's why I warned Rosemary to keep out of it. I was scared for her. The people I was working with uh, would have killed her if they'd found out she knew anything. How do you know they didn't? Rosemary kept her mouth shut for once. All was fine. Then I saw Iris. I decided that when the job was done, I'd come right back and I'd marry her. Who do you think killed Rosemary and George? I know it wasn't me. I don't think it was the waiter or Iris. It could have been Stephen or Sandra or both of them together, but, uh, but the best bet is Ruth Lessing. Why Ruth? She just seems the most likely. But it's still practically impossible for her to tamper with the glass. The more I think about it, the more impossible it seems that George was poisoned. And yet... Have you found out who wrote those letters that started him on the track? Not even close. Why? Because whoever it was knows that Rosemary was murdered, so unless we find them quickly, that person will be killed. You better tell me everything you've learned. I put my glasses down somewhere and I haven't the faintest idea. It's all right, Aunt Lucilla. I'm sure there'll be one in a minute. Well, I'm sure you're right, Iris. And I'm going to have tea with a dear old friend to cheer myself. Oh, oh, watch out! Oh! What happened? I... They, they, they must have lost control. Came right up on the curb. Didn't even stop. Oh, was that a cab? Oh, ah, here's one. Iris? What? Oh, yes, yes. Sorry. Oh, it's stopping anyway. Oh. Is that Mr. Brown? Would you like my cab, Mrs. Drake? Iris, dear, would you rather I stay? Oh, no, no, no. I'll be fine now. Well, I'll be back within the hour. Before we can manage to get married, she means. What's the matter? Oh, I was nearly run over just now. What? Goodbye. There was nothing. That's not really the... Uh, you'd better come inside. I'm afraid, Anthony. What of? At the inquest this morning, the policeman described finding a small paper packet under the table containing traces of cyanide. Yes, that's right. Whoever slipped the stuff into George's drink dropped it under the table. I dropped that packet. Uh, you? When George fell, I felt paralysed. I just watched him shaking. 
Tears ran down my cheeks and I opened my bag to get my handkerchief. But there was something inside it, a folded bit of paper. And I remembered how they'd found a packet like that in Rosemary's bag after she died. And I was frightened, Anthony. I just went limp. And the packet fluttered down from my handkerchief under the table. I let it go and I didn't say anything. Somebody meant it to look like I had killed George. But I didn't. I didn't. Did anyone see you? I'm not sure. Maybe Ruth, but she was so dazed. Oh, I'm so glad I've told you. No one else will ever know, will they? We're going to tell Race right away. You can't. He'll think I did it. He will if he finds out later that you said nothing. Come on. Oh, it's Ruth. I asked her here so we could make the funeral arrangements whilst Aunt Lucilla was out. Sorry, I'm so late. The tube was horribly crowded and then I had to wait for three buses. Good afternoon, Mr. Brown. No, I can't come with you now, Anthony. Ruth and I must settle things. Sorry, Ruth, I have to drag Iris away. You can arrange everything with oh. Mrs. Drake when she gets back. She won't be long. But... It's really quite important. Uh, come, please. Why weren't your fingerprints on the packet? I only touched it through my handkerchief. If Ruth saw you drop it, why wouldn't she have said something? That's what I don't understand. If she planted it on you, she wouldn't want you getting rid of it. It can't have been Ruth. It's still impossible. It has to have been the waiter. At least you don't think it was me. Do you, Colonel? No, I don't think so. So, may I go? Oh, stay and have tea. We need all the help we can get untangling this. But I don't want Ruth upsetting Aunt Lucilla. Let her go, Brown. I'm sure we can untangle it, the two of us. I don't want you getting upset, Iris. I won't. I feel much better now that you believe me. Giuseppe, another tea. No sugar. Coffee for me. Uh, plenty of sugar. Of course. If you ask me, this case will never be brought to trial. We'll never get the evidence. We might if we keep trying. Go over it once more. Lucilla. Sorry to keep you waiting, Ruth. Oh, we've just been discussing the funeral. It's all settled. We've been discussing weddings, too. Though your aunt assures me you and Mr. Brown will be enjoying a long engagement. If you're sure it's all settled, I think I'll go for a lie down. Oh, you must, Iris, dear. Try to get some rest. Everything's in hand, I assure you. Perhaps you're right. But of all the possible suspects, I think the most likely killer is Iris Marl. Iris? What on earth makes you... Well, you must at least have considered the possibility. Well, we can consider it now, if you like. But you should start by explaining why she'd tell me about the cyanide paper if she were guilty. Because she knew Ruth Lessing had seen her do it. She also has the motive, Rose Misfortune. Plus, there is a family history of weakness and vice. A family history? Victor Drake. But that's got nothing to do I with any... I agree, we can't prove anything. But she's the most likely candidate, even you must admit. Or how would Iris put it in his drink? The whole thing is still a, a conjuring trick or a spirit manifestation. Whilst we were dancing, the ghost of Rosemary hovered over George's place and... Oh, Lord. What? That's it. The bag... The waiter, a conjuring trick. The waiter? Quickly. We need to go outside. Well, what for? D leave your things. Oh. <laughs> we'll be back in a moment. We just need to use the telephone. Well, couldn't we use the telephone in here? No, no, it's, it's all right. We don't need to use it after all. Have you gone mad? Please, have a seat. 
finish your tea. But did you solve it or not? Drink your tea. Mm. I don't know. This is your coffee. No, it's your coffee now. Because you're sitting in what was my place. I moved your pipe. Do you see? Not at all. You're going to have to explain. Oh, my. That means I... Iris, we have to go. Enough of the games, Brown. Just tell me. Just, what... just, you just have to trust me. Please, come. Come now. Iris? Oh, hello, Ruth. I thought you'd gone. I'm going now. I just wanted to make sure you were all right. Thank you. I, I will be. I'm just tired. Ruth? What are you doing? Ah. Helping you sleep. And just to make sure. The only reason you thought it was your place is because your pipe was there. But I had moved it to my place, which meant my cup became your cup. On a round table with empty spaces, one place is easily mistaken for another. When the busboy hurriedly put Iris's bag back on the table... He put it in the wrong place. George's place. Which meant Iris's glass became... became... Became George's glass, which means... The cyanide was meant for Iris, not George. That's why the paper was put in her bag, to make it look like she killed herself. We should never have let her leave. I just hope we're not too late. Where's Iris? Where is Miss Mark? Well, she went straight to her room. Thankfully, Miss Lessing and I managed splendidly without her. Miss Lessing is gone. Well, she went to check on Iris first. I haven't Quickly, seen her. Quickly, upstairs. Iris! 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 Get the police as well. We can't have gone far. <laughs> oh, my. Not little Iris as well. I don't believe it. <coughs> you needn't believe it. It isn't true. So George drank from my glass. Which he thought was his glass. The only glass that could have been poisoned quite easily much earlier because the only person who didn't drink after the cabaret was the person whose health was being drunk. Namely you, Miss Mark. But why would anybody want to kill me? Rosemary's money went to you. Unless you married me first. When Ruth heard we intended to marry, she realised she'd have to hurry up and kill you. If you died unmarried, it would go to your next of kin. Aunt Lucilla. And who would she lavish it on? Cousin Victor. But he's in South America. Uh, no. He's at Marlebone Police Station under arrest. What? Think <laughs> about it, Miss Mark. All the evidence for Victor's being overseas depends on Ruth's word. Far from being in Buenos Aires, he was at the Luxembourg before the <gasps> cabaret, putting the stuff in what was originally your glass. Oh, surely someone would have seen him. He was an actor and a waiter. 
No one noticed him, and by the time people were taking notice, he was long gone. Meanwhile, Ruth put the cyanide paper in your bag, in the cloakroom. The same technique she'd adopted a year ago for Rosemary. She planned so efficiently for each occasion, advised George, on when to hold the toast every little deep. Only this time things didn't go so smoothly. No wonder she was dazed, staring at you, trying to work out why George had died instead of you. I always thought it odd that George hadn't told her about those anonymous letters. He consulted her about so much. Of course he told her. She knew he would. That's why she wrote them and coached him along, arranging his plan to catch the killer, or rather her plan to kill you. Then it was her in the cart. She tried to run me over. I thought it was strange her rattling on about the buses. She had no time to lose. If we married, I would have become your next of kin. Ruth would have lost everything. Victor, the money. Oh, to think I actually wanted her to marry George. She'd probably have made him a good wife if she hadn't come across Victor. Anthony, how did you know it wasn't me who did it? I didn't know. I just... Uh, knew... I think it's time I left. Thank you, Colonel. I'll see you later. We'll go for a drink, maybe. As long as it's not coffee. Mm -hmm. Iris, what are you thinking about? This was on our table. What is it? Ah. Oh. oh, I see. Rosemary. Nice touch, George. Goodbye, Rosemary. That's for remembrance. Pray, love. Remember. In Agatha Christie's Sparkling Cyanide, Iris was played by Naomi Frederick, Anthony by Colin Tierney, Ruth, Amanda Drew, Race, Sean Baker, and Stephen by James Laley. Sandra was Tracy Wiles, Lucilla, Adua Ando, Giuseppe, Gerard McDermott, and Chloe was Alex Rivers. Sparkling Cyanide was dramatised for radio by Joy Wilkinson, and the director was Mary Pete. Mystery Radio presentation. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please feel free to like and rate this podcast on your favorite app. Also, there's a Nostalgic Mystery Radio YouTube page for your perusal to subscribe to. You can contact me by emailing me at nostalgicmysteryradio at gmail.com. I hope you have a blessed day or evening. And again, thank you for listening.